Well, hello, everybody. This is Hal. This is Melanie. And we want to welcome you to another episode of Making Biblical Family Life Practical. Today, we're going to talk about really practical biblical family life. Like, how do you start a biblical family in a practical way? Uh, <laughs> yes. Yes. Practical family construction, if you will. Yeah. That is truly it. Well, that's, you know, we are in that stage of life where we no longer have toddlers. We have, you know, we have kids who are all up and down the scale in, in ages and in school ages, but you know, the, the babies now that we welcome are grandkids, not our own. And that's a different category altogether, but well, we've, we've got older ones who are now in that marriageable age. And so are all their friends. And so are all their friends. And we hear a lot. We have a lot of conversations with people and hell, I tell you what, I'm frustrated. Mm -hmm. I am frustrated because I hear and see, a lot of unhappy mm -hmm. people in their 20s and 30s who want to be married and aren't. Right. And I hear and see a lot of stuff from our generation that runs the gamut from the sublime to the utterly ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it is hard to wait when you want to be married and everybody thinks you ought to get married and you're ready to be married and that person just hasn't come along. That's tough. And that's reality. It is reality. I think, though, that I think our kids' generation, uh, well, what none of us really realize is that the age that people are marrying in our culture has grown, gone up drastically in the past generation. It, it's really up around 30 years old is the, the median age of first marriage. And that is much older than it was historically. And there's a number of different reasons for that. Um, but I, I think that a lot of our kids' generation did not expect that. Well, and they I think... They expected to be married yeah. shortly after their education was complete. I think that was true. And I think that's kind of what their parents were taught. You know, we've been homeschooling now for 20-some-odd years. Yeah. And so... We were there when a lot of these, a lot of the books that became kind of standard on the topic, topic were freshly published, new stuff. And, you know, at the time when you've got, when your oldest child is eight, you know, this is all theoretical stuff. This is all, you know, you're looking forward to one day and you're thinking, oh, okay, yeah, I could see that, sure. And, and it doesn't, it takes a while before it really comes home to the application of it. Because I know the things that we read back all those years ago sounded like, well, you, you know, if you put if you put two 14-year-olds together in a room by themselves, they're liable to burst into flame. I mean, they're, you're going to end up, you know, with an elopement before they're 15 or something because it's just so volatile. And yet we saw as young people around us got to 18, 20, 22 we didn't see them running away to the Justice of Peace or 26, eloping to a church yeah. in a nearby town or anything else. We, we, saw, we saw very few uh, young marriages at all. Well, you know, there was this huge movement when we first started homeschooling to say, we need to be finding mates in a different way. And people made tremendous proclamations about this is the biblical way to find a mate. And, mm -hmm. yeah, I think the thing that kind of clued me in that, maybe there wasn't much realism there mm -hmm. is I remember having dinner with a big proponent of mm -hmm. very strict courtship. Right. And 
one of our sons had been his assistant during this conference because that's what our state organization did. Mm-hmm. So we're having dinner, and he said, I am just so impressed with your son. He is just amazing. I hope my kids will be like him when they get to be his age. Realizing that our son was not... He was 15. Yeah, he wasn't old enough to have a driver's license yet. And it flipped me out that this that this speaker had very adamant, really, commands for how you should raise your teenagers and how your teenagers and 20-somethings should go about looking for a mate, and he didn't even have teenagers yet. I think it illustrated something for me that I've seen played out several times, and, and it's this. There are things in the Scripture which are very clear. God is very explicit about, very direct about. There's no arguing with it. You know, thou shalt not commit adultery. Those kind of things are just that they're sometimes literally written in stone. Okay, and if you are if you are basing your teaching on the Word of God and you're standing on these clear, unmistakable, direct commandments, commandments, more power to you. That is, stand there and, and, you know, don't be dissuaded from it. But But if you get off into practical application and practical application of principles where Mm -hmm. genuine Christians can disagree, you've got to be a lot more careful when you don't have experience. Well, in so much about family life, if you stay out of what is clearly sexual sin, so much that's that's in the scripture about family life is a matter of examples and a matter of principles rather than commandments. And and I think you can draw some good sound convictions from a careful use of these things, but you always have to have the humility to say, I may be mistaken or it may be different for other people. Okay, because look, what does the Bible say about finding a mate? Well, there is no, this is the way it needs to happen. Yeah, the, the Bible does it's not, not there. The Bible does not say, look, you can't let your, your daughter go to the movies unchaperoned with, with a young man. No. It doesn't say that in Scripture. It doesn't say what age they should be. It doesn't mm-hmm. say how much they need to have in the bank. It doesn't say mm-hmm. that all fellowship need, needs to be occur within a family context it doesn't say that that the that it shouldn't occur within a family context you know so much of what the scripture says about the process of finding a mate is you just have to derive from examples and, and the, how some of those examples are pretty wild like i remember right one in which the elders of israel told the men of the tribe of benjamin to go hide outside the worship dance at shiloh mm-hmm. and grab the women and make off with them and marry them. Basically kidnap and elope with and, and the elders said and we'll we'll settle things with their parents. Yes. It's like, are you serious? Yes, and reference will be in the show notes. This is from the book of Judges. Now, do we recommend this? No. no. But it is there in scripture as an example, you know you, There's examples of sending your mm-hmm. sending an employee over to your to your family and picking out a cousin for your child. There's all kinds of arranged marriages. There's marriages among... POWs? Yeah, those who are captured in warfare. Um, there's, there's all kinds of stuff. And but it y- doesn't say, this is the godly way to find a mate. Now, there are some, you know, there are some commandments, like mm-hmm. 
thou shalt not commit adultery, which includes thou shalt not commit fornication. Well, there's plenty Stay of... Stay out of sexual there's, sin. There's plenty of commandments to avoid fornication. That, that is not allowed. And so staying out of sexual sin is a non-negotiable. Yes. Okay? That has no place in the in the premarital arrangement. Marry only mm. marrying another believer. If you yeah, if you are a believer, then you should be seeking out another believer. Now it's possible, maybe one day you find out somebody was was a false believer. Those kind of things, sadly, they do happen. But to the best of your ability and knowledge, you do the due diligence to say, does this young man really know the Lord? Is he really following the Lord? Do I see the fruit in his life that says, hey, I think he's on the right track and is likely to stay there? You know, do the same thing with that young woman you're considering. Okay, that is a very definite thing. And I think honoring your father and your mother, not necessarily... Well, children are told to obey their father and mother. The entire right. congregation is told to honor them. That's correct. And so, right. you know, you need to do your, your best to respect your parents, listen to them, consult with them. Take what they say seriously. Okay, and if you're a young person listening to this, you know some of you may be bridling a little bit, saying, "This is my life. I've got to, you know, totally. It's your life." But you really want, for your own benefit, okay? You really want some objective eyes on the relationship because once your heart gets gets a little flippy floppy over this, when you know once you get the butterflies in the stomach, your brain is not thinking as clearly. Your observations are not going to be, um, let's say, unmoved by your emotions. So you really do need a trusted outsider who can who could say, have you asked her about this? Or I, I noticed something about him that I'm concerned about. You really want that. It's not a matter of, you know, who gets to dictate, but rather, where do you find wisdom? Well, I remember something our married son said mm -hmm. when he fir we first spent time with the girl that would one day be his wife. This is mm -hmm. their relationship was really one of, of friends. He was just thinking of making it into more. And after she left, he came in and he said, all right, guys, what did you think? Because mm -hmm. I really like her, but I really like you guys. And so she's got to like you and you've got to like her mm -hmm. for this to work. And you forget that, yeah, a marriage is like a, um, it's like a, a peace treaty or a, uh, some kind of agreement between countries, you know, yeah. that families come together and they're joined together and we are part of each other's lives because yes. of this marriage. Yes, they are. We recently yes, stayed with um, our sons-in-laws. There's not a word for that, you know, I not know. in our language. We don't have a, what, there's a word in Chinese. Uh, well, it, yeah, there's China, not an, Chinese has a word for every family like, relationship. There's like 46 different family relationships with a separate term yes. in, in Mandarin. I but, love it. We need that. Hal. Yeah. But the, the fact is, we are connected. I feel like we've shared a son with their family. They've shared a daughter with our family. And now and so, our memories belong to all of us. Right. So you do, you know, even though, you know, you might be thinking, well, I'm I'm marrying this girl. I'm not marrying her whole family. Oh, yeah, you are. Well, in a way, you are. Yeah. You are tying yourself to them, and that's always going to be part of your life. So you and do so need you that. need to involve. That's wisdom. Yeah, that's, that's wisdom. wisdom. But. But, but as far as the things which God commands, it's very clearly commanded, you know, stay out of sexual sin. Believers should only marry other believers. You should honor your, your father and your mother and involve them in that. And you know, the younger men are com commanded to treat the younger women as sisters in all purity. And, and that's a really, yeah, that's, that's Paul's advice to uh, young Timothy, the missionary church planner. <clears throat> and it's very good advice. Um, 
that says friendships between young men and young women in the church are a positive thing. In fact, ought to be a thing. Um, there's a whole lot of reasons for that. But the point being that you can have you can have close friendship and close fellowship with another member of the church that you are not married to in all purity. Yes. You gotta be you gotta maintain it in in a state of purity. Okay. So And so those are some pretty those are some pointed and important principles, but mm-hmm. those leave a lot of liberty, Hal. And I think that's really what, what we need to consider is that the Pharisees looked at God's command and said, Ooh, that's not specific enough. We need to make all these rules to keep people from getting near sin. Mm-hmm. And the Lord rebuked them soundly. Right. That it's hard enough to obey the real commands without adding a bunch of human-made commands around it. Isn't that the truth? And so I would propose that when it comes to finding a mate, everyone's love story may look different. Mm-hmm. That as long as we gasp, act like Christians, mm-hmm. that it's going to look different from couple to couple and situation to situation, and that's okay. <clears throat> so... um yeah, I, I think that's something there, and I have some more thoughts on that. Um, well, yeah, I, after, in the second half of the program, I want to talk about some real-life questions people have been asking about this topic. Okay. Well, why don't, but, we take, why don't we take a break here, hear from our sponsor, and then we'll be right back, because this is really an interesting topic, and it's much in discussion in the circles that we move in. Okay? Let's talk about how to stay in the center of the road. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a ditch of legalism that adds mm-hmm. man's commandment to gods. Yep. And there's a ditch of license that says anything goes, sin's not a big deal. Right. Both of those are unhealthy and unscriptural. So we want to be in the center on the crown of the pavement. But you know what? There's a pretty wide pavement there. It is. Okay. Alright. So let's talk about that uh, after this message. Come back to us and we will be right back. From the creators of War Room. You need to do your fighting in prayer. On August 23rd, the Kendrick brothers return to the big screen with Overcomer. Why have a season with one runner? One runner matters. John Harrison is a frustrated coach questioning his value until he crosses paths with a student struggling on her own journey. What have you allowed to define you? When you find your identity in the one who created you, it'll change your whole perspective. Overcomer. In theaters August 23rd, starring Alex Kendrick, Priscilla Shirer, and Sherry Rigby. Rated PG, parental guidance suggested. For tickets and showtimes, visit OvercomerMovie.com. Is that? That's Hannah. Run, Hannah! Oh, you say I'm yours, and I Okay, so we are talking about the ever-interesting and controversial matter of finding a mate. You know, one thing I was thinking about, when you're talking about examples of Scripture, there are those who really want to be very strict about the process, even in cases that we have actually heard of people looking for an arranged marriage. And Okay, now let's be honest. The Bible does give us examples, and it doesn't say that this is the wrong thing. 
However, and I think this is the big thing that the, the most strict of these teachers don't deal with. In a culture that has that as an expectation culture-wide, and the expectation that it's going to be very, very difficult and have all sorts of social ramifications if a relationship is broken apart. You know, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of push to keep things together, even if you get in a in a situation and say, "Oh, this person is not the dreamboat I was looking for." Well, I remember you worked with somebody from India, and he said, "Oh, I'm going to take vacation and go get my bride," mm -hmm. and you were like, "Oh, how long have you known her? I haven't known her at all." Right, the parents yeah, picked that, them out. You know, that's very, very strange in our culture, and our culture doesn't have the support for that. Exactly. But yeah, that, that's the extreme. There's a right. lot of people that aren't at that extreme, yep. but are still struggling with, I think, very basic issues. Okay, well, what, what's on your mind? What are you thinking about? Well, you know, I had somebody just recently, mm -hmm. we were talking about how, about the, the people who want to be married, they're in their late 20s, their early 30s, they're like, where is everybody I want to get married? And how do they find a mate? And mm -hmm. the person I was talking to said, well, they could, you know, they can meet at these Bible conferences that we go to. Well, we've been and, to some of those. Well, I've been to those, and I said, you know, I'm not seeing it. I see families, not so families going around, but I never see singles sitting on a couch talking together. And she said, my friend said, um, well, they shouldn't be. So that begs the question, well, well how was, do you meet people if you're not supposed to talk to well, them? Well, beyond that, there's, <laughs> I want to go back further, okay? Go right ahead. First of all, what do we think is going to happen that would be bad with two adults having a conversation in public? You're not talking 12-year-olds here. You're talking... People in their 20s. Two adults. What is wrong with them having a conversation, Hal? Um, that's a good question. I don't see any possible sin issue there. Mm -hmm. I don't see they're not in a compromising situation. They're in public. Mm -hmm. Where is the sin issue? And if there is no sin issue, why should we, why should we deny them the opportunity to get to know one another? Mm -hmm. You know, I hear people saying, someone recently said, young men, single young men and young women shouldn't be friends. And I'm like, wait well, a minute. Well, Remember that, that verse that says, treat the, treat the younger women like sisters, not purity? Do you mm -hmm. talk to your sister around? Uh, yeah. Do you do, do you things with your sister? Do you share a meal with your sister? Yeah. You know, that, yeah. yeah. You, have, you have interaction with your sister that is in all purity. Yes. And, it's, and so. And it's a friendship. It's a place of fellowship right i don't see how we can forbid something that the scripture recommends right right i, I totally agree and and my concern is that if we are if you're saying that young people should not get to know one another before they begin a relationship aren't you back to where the world is where hey there's a pretty girl i think i'll chase her how is that any different? But but even worse, you know, and I think Tim Challies points it out pretty well in some of his uh, blog posts. Tim Challies is a pastor in Canada, um, challies.com, C-H-A-L-L-I-E-S.com. And he, you know, Tim Challies talks about this on his blog, and I think he makes a very good point. He said, the problem with this really very strict culture is it makes it almost impossible 
not to be hurt because yes. the stakes are too high. Yes, you're putting too you're putting, much. He says you're putting too much of a load on a relationship at a stage when it cannot support it. Yes. When to say hello to somebody is tantamount to saying, hi, would you like to marry me? And that's, you know, no. that's, that, that's it's putting way too much emphasis on what should be a casual interaction with some give and take and easily divided. If you, if you find, oh, this is not going to, this is not going to work out, you know, no harm, no foul, but rather you're, you're making every, you're turning the temperature up too high on, on the fledgling stages of any sort of relationship. And, and somebody's, you're, the chance for hurt is mm -hmm. increased dramatically. Mm -hmm. And on the other hand, those trying to protect their children from hurt by dad interviewing suitors mm -hmm. for months before he even lets a girl know he's in, she, someone's interested, the dad is going to hurt the daughter. You right. know, and, and that young man often. He's the one that's turning the temperature up on, oh. on both of them. So how, let's talk about the positive side. Positive. How, okay. how does somebody go about finding a mate? Well, first of all, they need to be clearly available, and that means no purity ring on your ring finger. Oh, okay. Yeah, right. Right. Um, because guys, no girls, guys do not understand that. They don't. No, guys okay. look if they see a ring on that left hand, they're gonna say, "Oh, she's taken." Yeah. I'll look for somebody else. Okay. They okay. gotta be clearly available. Mm -hmm. They gotta be friendly. I think that some of this intense um, warnings. Uh, that that have come through the courtship mm -hmm. movement and homeschooling have made people afraid and awkward and they're so scared of getting emotions involved too soon that they don't appear friendly or interested. And again, and this is on my both, female this is friends. Both, this is both genders. This yeah, is both guys is, and girls. It is. But listen, you guys, if you don't show any interest, I got a hint for you. The other person will not show interest to you. You know, that if you act cold and unfriendly and mm -hmm. not engaging, and if you don't show any interest, if that person has the tiniest spark of interest in their heart, you they will stamp it. it out. You just killed it. They will stamp it out. So you've got to be smile. You've got to be mm -hmm. friendly. Mm -hmm. You've got to be open. You've got to be, you've got to meet other people. So let's mm -hmm. talk about that a second. Being a nanny or working in a nursing home or something is a terrible way to meet young men. It's not going to happen. It's very you, isolating. you got to recognize that you've got to be a, not just um, morally and legally available. You have to have the time. Yes. You know, and recognizing, okay, I, I found this out when I was in high school. I got a job, an after-school job working in a local restaurant. I made good money for a high school student, but I realized, you know what? I'm here working in the kitchen helping other people have a social life, you know, and if I did that every night, which of course being in high school, I didn't, but if I was, if I was working the, the night shift in a restaurant every single night, the only people that I would have time to interact with are people who could meet me for breakfast. Yeah. Because I was at work when people normally are socializing. Okay. And so, so you've got to be visibly available. Right. You've gotta be, and you got to meet people. And, you know, sometimes I talk to young women who are very discouraged and they haven't, you know, they would like to meet a godly man and they would like to get married and have children. And I'll say, oh, well, I know a serious Christian singles fellowship on Facebook. And they'll say, oh, I don't do social media. Y'all, if you don't do social media, mm -hmm. then you are isolating yourself from the majority of the interaction of 20 and 30 somethings. Right. You know, 
that's the way most of them interact. And there are ways to use social media that are not exposing yourself, that are not making yourself a, a subject for prank. Yeah, I mean, you can use it in a godly way. But the fact is, and, and we've talked to people in that millennial generation, they say, you know, if I hear of somebody or I meet somebody, the first thing I do is go look them up on social media. And if there's no footprint or if there's just a, a, a single post out there and there's no you know living sort of account, I look at that and say, something's not right. Somebody is hiding something. Somebody is not really out there. Maybe they don't even actually exist. Now, hang on. I've got to say something. At this point, some of my friends are freaking out. Okay. Because they have read all these books about courtship, and they have read the strict view, and they really believe that that will protect their kids and give them the best outcome. And they're thinking, Melanie, what on earth are you saying? Mm -hmm. What I'm saying is this. Go look at the Word of God. Mm -hmm. And ask yourself, what does the Bible say about finding a mate? It does not put all these limitations. It doesn't say all interaction has to be in a group. Because listen, y'all, if if you only interact with someone in a group, you will only know what they want the group to know. Mm-hmm. You know, this decision is too big, too important to put artificial man-made rules Mm-hmm. in charge of it all. Mm-hmm. You know, God is in control and God is sovereign and he's given us his word. And if it was important for us to know exactly what to do in this area, he would have told us. And he did. I have to agree. I have to agree. And like so many of the issues of family life, you find examples, you find uh, personal histories you find principles, but but you don't find commandments. You don't find directions. And now so, you may be saying, I know this person, and they found their mate through a very strict courtship method, and everything worked out great. Yeah, I, we all know some of those people. Yeah, yeah that's fine. But we but. also know lots and lots more people who are struggling with this, who are struggling to find a mate, good, godly guys, good, godly girls, mm-hmm. who I want to see them get married. And we know people who formed strong marriages that have lasted for years and years and years without a ripple of disagreement that didn't follow a strict pattern like this, that didn't follow this program, which, you know, somebody tried to resurrect a, a, a 18th century model and plump it down in the, in the late 1990s. Um, you know I what? Think, I think ultimately, Hal, mm-hmm. when it comes to finding a mate, the best advice we can give somebody is yeah. act like a Christian. You know, treat Mm -hmm. each other with respect, stay away from sin, Mm -hmm. talk it over with your parents, just act like a believer. And it doesn't matter whether it's called courtship or dating or Christian dating or anything else. Let it be a successful way to find a mate. Just act like a believer. Mm. Act like a Christian and you're going to be okay. Well, I think that's probably true for most of life, isn't it? Well, it is. Yeah. And, And so... Those of you who are flipping out, Mm -hmm. we really believe that there has been teaching in this area which has placed an undue burden on the next generation of believers. And a lot of them are really hurting. A lot of them are really lonely. And our generation, the parents' generation, has put 
a set of unbiblical expectations on them. Any time we add to the Word of God, it's unbiblical. I know that hurts. Well, and I'd say when you look at something which is based on a person's you know, best intention, but personal application of an, of, a, of an example or principle rather than on a commandment, I think it's always appropriate to say, what's the fruit? Yeah. What fruit, what results do we see from this? And I think we've, we've gone through this long enough now, you know, in this generation of homeschooling, to look around and ask yourselves, okay, everybody's following this formal pattern. Wouldn't you expect that you'd see a lot of homeschoolers getting married at 18 or 20 or 22 years old while the rest of the culture is hanging around until they're in their 30s? But we're not seeing that. We see some. We do see some. It's not zero. But we see one of the things that's really standing out is how many singles we are meeting who are past 30 years old and are still waiting and are still struggling. And we're thinking, if this program, if this, this whole programmatic approach was, was the key to protecting kids for the best possible start at an early time, or at a late time, Cal, I, I am not. I am seeing kids who got together through courtship and who divorced. It's not a perfect model. It's not a model that promises in, that can, that can. Mm-hmm. They make a lot of promises, but it cannot promise you mm-hmm. a healthy marriage that's going to last a long time because it can't. Because this is a fallen world mm-hmm. full of sin, and. Any relationship has risk. Mm-hmm. They all have risk. Right. Now, you limit that risk when you when you do things God's way. Now, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. That means you stay away from sin. Mm-hmm. And you honor your parents. And you act like a believer. Mm-hmm. And you treat the younger women with as sisters. Mm-hmm. You follow what God has actually said. And the details, the details don't matter. You might be away at college and there's no opportunity of having fellowship in the context of your family. Mm -hmm. Are you in sin for playing tennis at a public tennis court together? No. Mm -mm. On the other hand, you might work in your family business and and your family business hires somebody and you're right there in the bosom of your family getting to know each other. Is that wrong? No. Mm -mm. It it can look a bunch of different ways. Mm Mm-hmm. Let's just honor God in the way that it happens, and I don't think the details matter. All right. A lot of food for thought. Yeah. A lot of discussions and uh, more discussions to come, I'm sure. But, may, may, but may there be many marriages and many grandchildren. That's that's what we <laughs> want to see. Yep. Indeed and, it is. And we are open to talking about this more. I know it's controversial. I know it goes against some of what you, you might have been taught. Right. But we meet these kids all the time, and our heart is, is that... Let's not make things harder for them than they need to be by the word of God. Right. Okay. Well, look, we appreciate you joining us, and we hope that you'll join us again as we try to take biblical principles into the 21st century family. And uh, until our next episode, I'm Hal. And I'm Melanie. Thanks for joining us. Bye, y'all. You've been listening to Making Biblical Family Life Practical with Hal and Melanie Young. If you found this program interesting, challenging, and encouraging, why not join us on the web at halandmelanie.com. That's H-A-L-A-N-D-M-E-L-A-N-I-E.com. Or follow us on social media. You can find us on Facebook at Facebook slash Hal and Melanie. 
or facebook.com slash raising real men. This program is a production of the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. Join us next week when we'll be back to talk about making biblical family life practical. Until then, thank you and God bless you for listening.